Welcome once again to the Main Point Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Giles. And Tracy Giles. And today we're going to continue our study on the subject of biblical giving. And this is part three, biblical giving, part three. And our main issue that we're covering is the issue of tithing, which is a practice that's been around for literally thousands of years. Tithing is simply defined as the giving of 10% of something, either voluntarily or involuntarily. It's not necessarily money for the ancient Hebrew people practice the giving of crops, land, and animals. Today, however, we look at tithing as giving 10% of a person's income. And if you're really legalistic about it, you believe that this 10% should be based on the gross and not on the net of that income. So a few of the questions that we're seeking to answer throughout this study series on biblical giving is number one, under what circumstances would we be required to tithe today? Number two, could the federal and state income taxes be considered a type of tithe? Number three, do churches that require its members to tithe be considered a type of membership fee? Number four, does the Bible specifically command that a tithe be given to a church? Number five, was tithing as described in the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy a type of taxation system? Number six, is tithing required for everyone or is it only for Christians? Is it only for evangelicals? Is it for Jews or Catholics included, etc.? And number seven, which text of scripture teaches mandated versus voluntary giving? Let's seek to answer these and other questions today, not by listening to all the noise and various voices in the Christian community, but by diligently searching the scriptures as the Bereans did in the book of Acts, which states, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Acts 17, 11. So the first uh, section of scripture that we're going to analyze for this subject today is Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 to 33. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add on one fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the, er the herd or the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Here in the 27th chapter of Leviticus, we have the Lord providing instruction to the nation of Israel regarding the tithe. What specific instructions are given in verses 30 through 33 regarding the issue of tithing? Well, according to the text, the Lord instructs them in the following three ways. Number one, he instructs them that everything that the land produces, everything that the land produces, like crops, they are to give 10% of it to the Lord. We see that in verse 30. Number two, he instructs them that they are, to, if they desire to redeem meaning to buy back or, or exchange for money, any of the produce that the land produces, any of it, okay? That 10%, they are to add another fifth to it, one fifth. So they are, they are to add 20% to that, to its value, and then give it to the Lord. We see that in verse 31. And number three, he instructs them that every 10th animal of their herds or flocks belong to the Lord. In order to determine which animal was the 10th one, they were not allowed to arrange the animals in a special way. 
They were to lead their herds out of the gates and every tenth one was taken out to be given to the Lord, be it good or bad. If they desired to exchange the tenth animal for a different one, then both the tenth animal and the one exchanged was to be given to the Lord. We see that in verses 32 and 33. Was tithing optional? According to the text, tithing doesn't appear to have been optional, but a command from the Lord. How could the people give this tithe of the land and animals to the Lord? Isn't God a spirit according to John 4, 24? Oh, you're referencing Jesus' statement when he said God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that's a very good question. But we have to keep in mind that during this time in history, Israel was governed by a system of priests whose full job was to act as judges amongst the people, attend to the temple and tabernacle, distribute to the poor, and make atonement for the sins of the people. Those were their duties. Therefore, the Israelites were required by God to give this tithe to the Levites, the tribe of Levi. That's, that was their job. This tithe provided to the Levites was actually their inheritance for the dedicated work they performed on behalf of the people in the presence of the Lord. The Levites' job also included uh, attending to the needs of the uh, Aaronic priests. They were one layer above the Levites, who also served in the tabernacle. And then the Levites, in turn, were to give a tithe of their tithe, basically 10% of their 10% that they received from Israel. They were to give that to the Aaronic priests. And their job was, and their most important part of their job was to enter the most holy place, basically the Holy of Holies, once per year on the Day of Atonement to make atonement for the sins of the nation and the very presence of God. Now, because of these responsibilities, and they were many, they did not own land, nor did they engage in any type of secular vocation like the other people in the land of Israel. Their inheritance was a tithe that the land produced for, from the other tribes in the form of agriculture and livestock. We see the necessity of this tithe illustrated further in the book of Numbers, chapter 18, verse 21 through 32, which we'll read right now. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, Among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites, and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes, which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the children of Israel. And you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering to the Lord from all the best of them, the consecrated part of them, 
Therefore, you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine press. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall bear no sin because of it, when you have lifted up the best of it. But you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. So as we can see there, the tithe was given to, uh, to the Lord. It was done vicariously by giving it to the Levitical priest. Okay? This is known as the Levitical priest tithe. So remember that. This is known as the Levitical priest tithe. And, and because it was given to Israel to support the Levites and the others was given to the Levites to, well, it was given to the Levi, to the Levites. By, Israel gave it to the Levites to support them, and the Levites were there in turn to give a portion of theirs to support the Aaronic priests. You can actually look at it as a type of taxation system designed to support the theocratic form of government that they had. Very similar to the way that our tax dollars today go to pay our modern day public officials who serve us. And the 20% extra added to any tithe that was redeemed or exchanged for money, as mentioned in verse 31 of Leviticus 27, is very similar, in my opinion, to the IRS credit card processing fee added to the amount due if someone in America chooses to pay their taxes via credit card instead of paying it by electronic check or paper check. Now, next, we're going to analyze Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 5 through 9. I'm sorry, 5 through 19, my apologies. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 5 through 19. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God has given you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses. In one of your tribes there shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates, whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. The unclean 
and the clean may eat of it, of the gazelle and the deer alike. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it on the earth like water. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or your new wine or your oil or the firstborn of your herd or your flocks of any of your offerings which you vow of your freewill offerings or of the heave offering of your hand. But you must eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God chooses, you and your son and your daughter, your male and servant and your female servant and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all to which you put your hands. Take heed to yourself that you do not forsake the Levites as long as you live in your land. As long as you live in your land, yes. And next we're going to analyze Deuteronomy 14, verse 22 through, 30, through 26. Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 26. Bear with us. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. But if the journey is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice you and your household. Here we have the Lord providing instruction to Israel regarding the tithe for the annual feast, aka holiday fiesta. What is the nation of Israel instructed to do with this particular tithe? Well, that was quite a bit of scripture, and I th but I think it's very important that uh, we read it and take it into full context. According to the text, uh, they were instructed to bring this tithe to the place that the Lord chose to make his name dwell. Now, later on in history, this place was came to be known as Jerusalem, which I believe everyone knows about. Now, th once they got there, they were to have a festival to celebrate the Lord's blessing and leading them into the promised land. Now, every person in the nation of Israel, including the Levites, were to partake of this celebration. Now, what's interesting, though, if you notice in the text, is that they were to spend this tithe on themselves. That's according to chapter 12, verse 7, and also chapter 14, verse 23. They were, they were not giving it away. They were spending it on themselves. These celebrations were to occur when they initially entered the promised land and then three times every year thereafter as part of the annual holidays that coincided with the agricultural harvest season in spring, summer, and fall. Different crops came forth and, and produced the harvest different times of the year as commanded by the Lord. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6 through 9, which we're going to analyze right now. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which 
you will lack nothing. And if you notice in verse 8 that we just read, you have wheat, barley, vines, probably uh, grapes, uh, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, all these things they produce at different times of the year. Next, we're going to look at chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, verse 16 through 17. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a.k.a. Passover, at the Feast of Weeks, a.k.a. Pentecost, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, a.k.a. Sukkot. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Now, this is known as the feast day tithe. Now, notice we've already covered what? The Levitical tithe. But this is the feast day tithe, or you can call it the holiday tithe. I think that would be more appropriate. And it was the second tithe that Israel had to pay as they gathered in the particular as they gathered in their particular crop that season that coincided with the holidays three times annually. And, and this was in addition, like I said, to the Levitical priesthood tithe, which was paid also at harvest time. Now, as mentioned, this holiday tithe was basically used on themselves and not given to the Levites, although they were required to allow the Levites to share with them in these celebrations, according to the text. So to put it simply, during each harvest season, whether it was wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranate, etc., they had to pay two tithes. Number one, the Levitical tithe that came off the top. Number two, the annual holiday tithe that they were spending on themselves to go and celebrate God's blessing. Did tithing ever involve money? Yes, it did, but only under extenuating circumstances. It wasn't the norm, and it was only allowed under two specific instances. Number one, if you notice back in Leviticus 27, verse 31, we mentioned when a person wanted to redeem the Levitical tithe and pay with money instead of the agriculture and livestock, the Lord required, okay, they could pay with money, but of course they had to add 20% uh, to it, one-fifth. The second instance in which it was allowed, we just read in chapter 14 of Deuteronomy, verse 24 through 25, when the distance a person had to travel to the annual holiday celebrations was too far to carry the holiday tide, they were allowed to exchange the agriculture and livestock for money and take that and spend it at the festival. Next, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 27 through 29. You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates for he has no part nor inheritance with you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out of the tithe, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion, no inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates, may come and eat and be satisfied, that the Lord your God may bless you in all your work of your hand which you do. Lastly, we have the Lord instructing the Israelites to pay a tithe to support the Levites and the poor of the land. What is the nation of Israel instructed to do with their tithes here? Well, as you said, they were instructed, they were instructed specifically to store up 10% of their agricultural produce in their gates for the Levites, the poor, the widow, the homeless, the strangers uh, who live amongst the nation of Israel. This was to be done every third year. This became known as the poor tithe, okay? And it was the final of three tithes the Israelites had to pay. 
Number one, remember we had the Levitical tithe, the annual holiday tithe, now we have the poor tithe. All of these would have worked out mathematically to, let's say, 23.3% if you're going to average it annually. So to put it simply, during each harvest season, whether it was wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranate, etc., whatever it was, watermelons, the Levitical tithe was the first thing they had to pay off the top every harvest. Secondly, they had to pay the annual holiday tithe every harvest. And then every third year during the harvest, they had to store up at each harvest the poor tithe, 10% there. But that was only during the third year's harvest. How could we apply these tithing instructions today? Well, that's a fantastic question. Well, because the Theocratic Society of Israel no longer exists, we are not required to apply this to our lives today. Let me repeat. Because the theocratic government of Israel no longer exists, we are not required to apply this to our lives today. Can't be more clear about that. But if you insist on doing so, which is fine, we all have freedom in Christ, you would need to do the following in order to be literal and textually consistent. Okay? Number one, you have to own or rent land that is producing some type of crop or livestock because that's what the tithe was back then. It wasn't money unless you chose to redeem it. You had to redeem it for money. Number two, you have to find a way to give 10% of it to the Lord by giving it to the Levitical priest every year. So you have to locate a Levitical priest. Good luck. Number three, you have to find a way to consume 10% on yourself during the biblical holidays in the Lord's designated holy place every year. So it can't be in your backyard. It has to be his designated holy place. Number four, you have to find a way to store up 10% of it for the poor and the Levites of Israel every third year. Again, good luck finding those Levites. And number five, be, you have to be a resident or a citizen of the nation of Israel, and that Israel has to be under a theocratic type of governance. doesn't exist anymore. Now, if someone chooses to not apply it literally, but to uh, do it allegorically, they have the freedom to do so, like I said, because in Christ we have freedom, okay? So they could take 10% of whatever they produce, that could be money or earnings or sales or revenue or whatever, and they can give it to their local charity. And they can take another 10% and spend it on themselves to celebrate biblical holidays. They can take another 10% every third year, give it to charity as well. But again, this would only be an allegorical type of application because as mentioned the theocratic government and the priesthood of Israel is no longer in existence and therefore it's no longer applicable not under the new covenant so what are some of the key points based on the text can we take from our study today as it relates to giving key points okay this is very important as we prepare to wrap up this podcast Biblical giving part three. Number one is the tithe was a taxation taxation system of the ancient nation of Israel. So it underscores the importance of taxes in any communal society. That's number one. Number two, the tithing, the tithe being the taxation system of the ancient nation of Israel reinforces Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching regarding the importance of believers paying their fair share of taxes to support the respective society that they live in. Okay, we see that in Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 through 22. And we also see that in Romans chapter 13, verse 6 through 7. Number three, 
tithing in the ancient nation of Israel was not optional, just as taxes in our modern societies are not optional. Therefore, when believers pay their fair share of taxes, they are in essence tithing. Okay? Number four, tithing cannot be literally applied to believers today and is therefore not currently binding. This is due primarily to the fact that the three key elements that the tithing of the Old Testament was designed to support are no longer in existence. What, is, what are those three things? Number one, the theocratic nation of Israel is no longer in existence. Number two, the tabernacle and temple are no longer in existence. Number three, the Levitical and the Aaronic priesthood are no longer in existence. How are you going to tithe? Okay, Those three things passed away with the Old Covenant. They're no longer in existence anymore. And then number five, most important point, if one chooses of their own free will to apply tithing today, they can only do so in a creative allegorical fashion. You cannot technically do it literally. So with that being said, we're going to wrap up this podcast, Biblical Giving Part 3. I'm your host, Stephen Giles. And Tracy Giles. I hope you enjoyed. Have a blessed one. Thank you.